Are you a sports fan who didn't know the NFL draft was this week? Then boy, do I have the teaser trailer for you. I'm Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show every week with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're doing mock drafts before the draft. We're grading picks after the draft. Now, do we know which picks were good and who's going to go where? No, absolutely not. We can't predict the future. But people like hearing about it. Yeah, don't you? You sickos. So we talk about it anyway. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. And guess what? If you like the draft, but you don't like me, you can go listen to the Ringer NFL Show with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati and our other NFL experts. Or you can go to nfldraft.theringer.com to check out our massive draft guide. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show and the Ringer NFL Show on Spotify because they employ me. Or it's also available on all the other platforms that don't employ me. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. We have a very special edition for you guys today. The draft is going off in 24 hours, and we are going to run through some mock draft information and some draft prop information and get you what you really want most, which is throwing some more cash down on these draft props before the buzzer goes off uh, and trying to win some money on Thursday night, rooting these home with us. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and go through some questions for Ben Solak and for our guest, Ryan McChrystal. Both these guys have had a lot of success with the mock draft in the past. Obviously, Ryan is up at Sharp Football Analysis and Ben is over at the Ringer and he's going to be sharing another edition, I'm sure, of his mock draft. Both gentlemen have their mocks due, I think it's at midnight Eastern on uh, Today. Wednesday night. Is that yeah. correct? So... Thursday, you guys will probably announce to the world what your final, final mock is. You can't change it because it's already being graded and logged uh, as of midnight. But I don't want to ask you questions that's going to reveal your entire mock on this podcast. So what we've decided to do is to run a little competition, a friendly competition between you guys. I'm going to roll out 14 different questions, and they're each going to have a point value 
as to whether you're correct, you get that point, or if you if it's incorrect, you obviously do not. And we'll just see how you guys do. And throughout the course of this, I'm gonna throw out some of my own props and we're gonna have a great show. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds good to me. Sounds great, let's go. All right, let's go. Does he so, get my job if he beats me? <laughs> absolutely not. We can't on, afford to lose you, Ben. <laughs> we can't afford to lose you. Uh, so this is just for fun. This is just obviously for fun. But um, trust me, a lot of people who are listening are going to be banking their money on what you guys are saying to them. Uh, so don't uh, feel any extra pressure there. But uh, th- this is not even a mock. Uh, this is not even a prop question here. Question number one, one point if you are correct. List the players you think go in order. One, two, and three. Ben, you go first. Yeah, I was joking with Ryan before the show that if you told me picks one through four, I'm confident I could do a really good job mocking picks five through 32. But the problem is picks one through four are really, really occluded. There's a lot of if this, then that's. Uh, Last week's episode, I was talking about the fact that at the time I thought it was Trayvon Walker as the first overall pick. We've seen the markets move heavily in that direction. I still think that. So I think it's Walker at one. Now the pivot is two, where there's a lot of Hutchinson interest and there's a lot of Kayvon Thibodeau interest. And the Thibodeau interest has been there for a while, but the Hutchinson connection's kind of always been there as well, just because he's been the consensus number one. I think it at this time is Thibodeau at two, but I will be spending literally the whole day trying to get better on that, right? Right now it's like 55, 45, right? So as of recording in the morning, I would say Walker one, Thibodeau two. And then to me, that puts Hutchinson at three. Uh, but even that isn't guaranteed if Hutchinson makes it there. So there's a lot, a lot of question marks. So H- Tib over Hutchinson, interesting. Okay, Ryan. Same question. Yeah, so we're on the same page at number one. Trevon Walker looks like it's probably the pick there. Um, obviously, we've heard like a bunch of reports out of Jacksonville, and some of them have been conflicting, but the one thing that's consistent for everybody is that Balky wants Walker, and the guy who has final say over the roster is the guy who gets what he wants. So it's probably going to be Walker. And number two, then, I, I think this is probably easier to figure out Detroit if Walker goes number one, because Hutchinson seems to fit everything they want. At number two, he doesn't have, there's no like sort of vague cloud of character work ethic concerns hanging over him like there is with Thibodeau. So I think Hutchinson is a pretty easy choice for Detroit at number two. And then number three, there's all kinds of speculation out there about Houston right now. They've been linked to a bunch of people. Um, and if you kind of read between the lines of what a lot of the quote unquote reports are about Houston, it's league sources tell me this and league sources tell me that. And the translation of that is, other GMs and other execs Mm -hmm. think Houston is going to do this, which means it's not actually a report at all. It's just somebody else's guess. Um, So I don't think we have any good, really true good Intel on Houston, but so I'm just connecting the dots here, knowing what they probably like um, knowing what that front office would have liked when they were in new England. And so I'm going to go with Icky Aquino. I think he checks a lot of boxes at a premium position and a really safe uh, prospect for them. Interesting. Okay, so no DBs off the board, no corners off the board in the top three for either of you guys. Um, And Ben goes edge, edge, edge all the way down the board. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you guys get one point if you're correct there. Question number two, outside of the top five, give me your favorite player to team selection and you get one point if you are correct. So it can't be a match. Somebody who's drafting inside the top five, anybody else. Ryan, we'll start with you. Which player, which team do you feel most confident is going to pick this player that you're going to mention? 
Yeah, this is a tricky one because there's quite a few teams in like the five to 15 range where I think I have a pretty good read on what positions they want, but then there's like two or three players. I'm like, I don't know. It could be any of them. So the guy I'm going to go with is a little bit further down the board. I'm going to say Jordan Davis to Baltimore. I think that's uh, one that's, it's pretty easy to see that he's likely to be on the board. Uh, sort of fits the profile of the guy that they like. So I'll, I'll go with Jordan Davis there. I have heard that Daniel Jeremiah said, and he's been pretty good with Ravens picks given his history there, uh, has said that if Jordan Davis is there, he's going to be the pick. So we'll see if uh, that ends up bearing fruit. Ben, what m- team do you think matches the player that you're most confident in outside the top five? What if a team has a pick in the top five and a pick not in the top five? Can I take them? And Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if they take him at five or at seven, but I think uh, Sauce Gardner to the Giants is one that I'm, I'm pretty confident that the Giants like Sauce. I'm pretty confident that uh, sauce is going to be around for them at at least one of those two picks, which I know one is is in the top five, but whatever. Um, and uh, barring a trade at six to the with the Panthers moving out, that's not a position where I think the Panthers are going to go corner relative to how they have their, their depth chart built. They just drafted a top 10 corner last year in J.C. Horn. So I would imagine that they feel confident saying, all right, if the Panthers don't move, we can get him at seven. Uh, so Sauce Gardner at seven. The other one that's got a lot of smoke is Jermaine Johnson to the Jets, who they have a pick at four but then also pick a 10 and he's the Florida state edge who apparently they're a big fan of as well. So there's kind of a, just kind of cheating, but sauce Gardner to the giants at seven <laughs> slash five. Right. So Mike, this gets graded as a correct one. If it goes seven, unfortunately if five, we can't because I said outside the top five, but no, I do like it. the thought process there. Um, we'll go with you, Ben first on this next one. Question number three, this one is one point to whoever gets the most listed players correct. And I just want you, in no particular order, list the top 10 players you think go inside the top 10. Okay. Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stingley, Sauce Gardner, Ikemokwanu, Charles Cross, Evan Neal. <sighs> I hate everything. Drake London, Jermaine Johnson. Those are my 10. Okay. Let me ask you, uh, before we get to Ryan, talk to me a little bit about Drake London, who's gained a ton of steam of late. Obviously, we saw him go in Peter King's mock since we last talked last Thursday. Peter King released his. He had him at eight to the Atlanta Falcons. I've also seen a couple other guys throw him in there at eight to the Atlanta Falcons. I know in the mock I saw from you, Last one, maybe this was the last one, maybe you've released another one since then, firing them all over the place, but you had Jamison Williams there, so obviously a wide receiver at number eight. I obviously don't know if you're connecting London to the Falcons at eight, but um, why do you, do you buy the hype for what reason? So, right, I think that we've we've seen that that move to London a little bit. I think a lot of it is trying to figure out which receiver the Falcons like the most at eight, and then kind of taking piecemeal a little bit more confidence or like, oh, maybe the Jets at 10 because they seem to like some of the receivers and, oh, maybe a team moves up. And that's where a lot of the Jamison Williams hype comes to me. I think there's a lot of teams that want, that have Jamison as wide receiver one that might move up for him and there's kind of a staring contest there. So that's why I had that big hesitation. It's because figuring out who that first receiver off the board is really tough. Like I didn't even mention Garrett Wilson and he's like, the favorite right now to be the first receiver off the board, right? It is really hard to figure out exactly which receiver is going to go first and what that range is. 
but right now, yeah, if you put a water gun to my head, and I was thinking of the Falcons pick at eight when I was when I was figuring that out, I would take uh, uh, Drake London as the receiver that they'd pull off the board. And that's a very much another one that's subject to change over the next 12 hours. Uh, but as of right now, that's 100%. where I'm at. And so, yeah, London would be the guy with throwing the top 10. Yeah, and just so you guys listening at home know, obviously there's going to be a lot of lot more information that comes out until midnight tonight, and these guys are going to be able to make their own changes to their own mocks. So this is not locking anything in stone, but as of right now, this is what they're currently thinking. And of course, you just mentioned, you know, Drake London right now. There's a lot of different ways that you can play these guys, even at the same book, and that's why obviously shopping books is great. But also at the same book, you can get Drake London to go top ten at plus one twenty five. Yep. Or you can go first wide receiver selected at plus 250. And obviously, you only have one wide receiver here going in the top 10. Thus, Drake London at plus 250 certainly offers more value than Drake London top 10 at plus 125. So as you guys hear these gents sharing information, make sure that you are thinking outside the box as to different ways that you can play these uh, bets. Some, some of these bets, we're going to get very specific, so you don't need to... Uh, do as much thinking on them. But for this particular one, that's a good option is just take him as first wide receiver selected if he's the only one going in the top 10. Okay, Ryan, same question for you. List 10 players that you think go inside the top 10. All right, so my list is going to be very similar. So I'll run through it pretty quickly. The edge, I've got Walker, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Johnson. Offensive line, Neil Aquanu, Cross. Defensive backs, Stingley and Gardner. And then yeah. the 10th name, which came down to two players for me, one of them was Drake London, but I went the other direction and went with Garrett Wilson. And this might end up being different than my mock draft because for the same stuff that Ben just talked about, I might put London paired with the Falcons in my mock draft. But since we're not pairing players of teams, I thought Wilson is probably more likely to be the top guy on the board at wide receiver for multiple teams within the top 10. The Jets potentially, the Fal it could be the Falcons also. The Giants, there have been some rumors out there that maybe they want to go offense with both picks and that maybe Wilson would be an option for them. So I, I see, I see more, more ways that Wilson sneaks into the top 10, whereas London, I think it's probably Atlanta or bust with a slight chance that maybe he fits the Jets. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So the one pick that you guys have differential, the what it will maybe potentially come down to is... Drake London or Garrett Wilson as to uh, who wins this point. Only one person is going to win a point here. I will say this. I'm going to post some research on this later on Twitter. I went back over the last four years and I looked at who was actually selected in the first rounds of the draft. And then I compared it to where these players were mocked as of Thursday during the day, right before they were about to go. And one thing to note is you guys rattle off your top 10. Um, 32 of the last 40 top 10 picks were forecasted top 10 picks in the final mock. So 80%, we rarely see players that are, you know, way down the board or even in the middle go inside the top 10. Most of the time, the order might be different, but most of the time, the guys that are favored to go inside the top 10 typically do. Uh, of the, of the eight players that weren't, Forecast to go in the top 10 in the final average mocks per grinding the mock. Um, those players, seven of the eight were top 15. And the lone exception, I don't know, can any of you guess what the lone exception player was of the last four years that went inside the top 10 that was not even forecast to go inside the top 15? I'll give you, a, I'll give, I'll give you a hint. I'm going to say Cleland Furl. 
There you go. There uh, you go. What's up? John, Good call. <laughs> old, old John Gruden. Uh, I think he was like forecast to go 19 or something like yeah. that, and he went inside the uh, the top 15. So old John Gruden no longer here to mess that up this year. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, okay, question number four. You're going to get one point if you're correct here. Both of you can earn a point on this one because this is not a head-to-head unlike the last one. And that is, which player currently not forecast to go in the first round do you think goes in the first round? And the way that we're going to determine whether or not they're forecast to go in the first round is, do they have an over-under set above 32 and a half, or are they at least even money odds to go in the top 32 Mm -hmm. or longer odds, AKA plus 120, plus 130, et cetera. So uh, I think we're starting with Ryan on this one. Ryan, which player is that for you? Yeah, this is a tricky one. I was going through the list last night, and if you include the players who are off the board because they're just absolute first-round locks, I counted 39 guys who are even money or greater to go in the first round. Uh, So that's not great math right there. Um, and it makes it pretty tough. The only player that really jumped out at me as having a realistic chance who isn't already uh, favored to go in the top 32 is Quay Walker. He's at 34 and a half. Um, I could see that, especially with some uh, rumors floating out there. I'm not sure if I believe them or not, but they're out there about possibly Devin Lloyd and the Kobe Dean maybe sliding a little bit. Maybe that causes like kind of the consensus third linebacker Walker to just get bumped up slightly. Okay, interesting. I like that reasoning. And Quay Walker, I think Ben is uh maybe I've seen you talk about his his name before. Yeah. I think actually on the uh the Ringer uh draft show I listened to the, that podcast last night. Great job once again on that. Um you guys mentioned that he was up at like 40 and a half just a few days ago and now he's definitely been dropping like a rock. Okay, so Ben, your shot, same exact question. Yeah, love love Quay to go first round. Uh on FanDuel looking at the top 32 odds, the second I saw this question, I was like, I know who I want to go get. And I just scrolled to double check to make sure that he's still there and he is plus 100. So we barely got in under under <laughs> well, the bar. But, but, by the way, it's okay if it's moved overnight. I I know you guys probably looked at this lot yesterday, so that's totally fine. So it is uh, Tyler Smith, the tackle out of Tulsa. Uh, and from what I understand talking to... Uh, people in the league and then talking to offensive line coaches is that the guy that the offensive line and the offensive coaching staff is lobbying for is this dude in terms of the the project, right? In terms of the athleticism, in terms of, of the build. And in a class where we've heard reports that there's 14, 15, 16 first round grades, we start to get to the back half of the first round. And that's typically where you see teams gamble on athletes, right? A lot of good athletes who are a little bit raw go in the end of the first round, especially at premium positions like edge, like corner, and then like tackle. Smith also has the ability to play some guard uh, because of the size and because of the movement skills. Uh, and with a tackle class where we expect three to go top 10, I would say Trevor Penning, the tackle out of Northern Iowa will be fourth and he'll probably go somewhere around like 16, 17. That gives me 15 picks for Tyler Smith to land. Uh, Green Bay's got two picks. He makes sense for them. Cincinnati's there at 31. Tampa Bay's there at 29. He makes sense for both of those teams. Uh, Smith's got a lot of outs in, in, in the 20s and in, in, into the early 30s. So plus 100. Uh, it's not, uh, there have been better prices, but he still fits for this. Plus 100. I like Tyler Smith. Yeah, and that's the other thing to re-emphasize to you guys out there that, yes, there may have been better prices. There have been better prices on Quay Walker as well. But if we still think that this is better odds than what you're getting in terms of probability, you still make that wager. So this is one of those rare instances, unlike totals or 
lines during the season where if you miss it all, oh, well, we got to walk away. There's just so many more things that the guys setting the lines at the books don't have information on yet um, that give us the upper hand if we're a little bit quicker to the punch and we can still bet some of the bad numbers. Now, once again, I'll mention this. Currently, as of this recording, the under 32 and a half at FanDuel for his position is minus 138. You just mentioned for him to go top 32, which is the same exact bet, is even money. You're yep. literally making yourself 38 cents every dollar that you're putting on this. It does not make any sense whatsoever to not take the top 32 at even money here. So Ben is going Tyler Smith. Ryan, I guess I'll ask you that question as well. I haven't looked at the odds for Quay, but do you like Quay at under 34 and a half or would you prefer top 32? He's actually 34 and a half minus 178 to the under. So I'm guessing you'd probably like the top 32. I actually would kind of prefer to take the under on the 34 and a half because that okay. gives you um, Detroit at the top of the second round also yeah. as an option for them, which is a really good fit. So Detroit kind of has two cracks in it there. Um, so even if like the, the number is not more favorable, obviously, to bet yeah. a top 32, I kind of like having that extra shot with a very realistic team in Detroit. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, I have quite first round numbers, but I also have under 34 and Detroit at 34 and Jacksonville at 33, who let go Miles Jack this year, are two important teams to have on the hook. Uh, so at 34 and a half, yeah, those are nice teams to get under, under the gun. Okay. Now, I will also say in some of the research that I have done, which I'll be posting on Twitter, looking back at these last four years, what we tend to see at the end of these first rounds is very few players that actually were forecast to go 25 or 27 actually go in that range. A lot of the times these guys are slipping out of the first round and the guys that are getting drafted in the first round are the guys that you are mentioning here. The Tyler Smiths, the Quay Walkers, the guys that are currently being forecast just outside that first round, the teams that are drafting up in that first round tend to go for the players for their picking based upon needs as opposed to guys that are sliding down the board a little bit more. And they've identified some of the players uh, that just happen to be in that range. So um, very interesting. I'll, I'll share that later. But uh Next question is kind of the exact reverse here, and that is which player currently forecast to go in the first round do you think does not go in the first round? Now, unfortunately, you can't bet the nose on top 32, so this would be the case that we would want to be betting the over on their uh, position total mm -hmm. for these players. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Ben, since we went Ryan last time. Which player do you think fits this? Yeah, so it's Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson. Clear first-round talent, big medical red flag, uh, where he's had sports hernia problems across the course of his college career. Uh, and we we saw his line open up at 26 and a half, and then it just gets juiced to the over. Now it's 27 and a half, and then it got juiced to the over. Now it's 28 and a half, and now we're at 29 and a half at minus 172 uh, for his line. It is a a a position where you would love to believe you can take the guy, but this is probably just going to be the sort of profile you don't want to bet on. You don't want to gamble on in round one, uh, especially with the concurrent hype we've heard for Kyler Gordon, the corner out of Washington, and Kyer Elam, the corner out of Florida, potentially being late round one guys. I see Booth falling out of round one uh, just because of the medical stuff. So minus 150 to go first round, but minus 172 on over 29 and a half. Um, it's something that I took 
when the line was a little bit lower, but I would still even take it at this point, even when you are getting that like Chiefs pick under there, right at 29 and the Chiefs need a corner. To me, it's 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 a it's a guy who I don't expect a lot of teams to have on their board. And so I think he's out of the first round. Okay, Ryan, same question. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. To me, two names jumped out. Booth was one of them, and the, I wrote down the other one, Tyler Linderbaum. He's a 28 and a half. Yeah. Um, in the back half of the first round, he he still appears in the t- in the first round in lots of mock drafts. My most recent one had him there also, but it's only to the Bengals for the most part. That's sort of like Bengals or bust for him in the first round. I don't see another obvious fit. Um, and, you know, Warren, you mentioned how like the guys that we project to go at the back of the first round often don't go there. There's a bunch of reasons for that. Obviously, one of them is contenders drafting for need. And although the Bengals need offensive line help, sort of, they don't necessarily absolutely have to force it, right? Because they added a bunch of guys in free agency. Um, and then the other thing that also happens is there's lots of trades in this area because there's teams who identify let's take a guy who's like a little bit more raw and we see a little bit more value in getting a fifth year option on him as opposed to getting him in the second round. Like the Saints taking Peyton Turner last year as an example, the guy that they kind of wanted to almost redshirt for a year and having that extra fifth year option on him is probably a little bit more valuable than it is with a guy like Linderbaum, who, when you draft him, you're comfortable plugging him in right away. He's going to start for you. You're almost certainly going to sign him to a second contract. He's very safe. So I don't think anyone is going to feel like forced to make that pick. So some of the teams at the top of the second round who might like him might not feel the urgency to jump up knowing that there aren't a lot of other teams considering him. And they won't also won't feel the urgency to get him on the 50 year option. Let me put you on the hot seat real quick and just ask you a question. I know that you and Ben both listed him in your most recent mock, as you alluded to going number 31 to the Bengals. That's pretty much where if he's going in the first round that I have seen him going. Uh, Peter King had Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State, going to the Bengals. If you don't think Linderbaum goes there, who do you think that they might be targeting? I would say one of the cornerbacks who falls, someone's going to be on the board for them. There's enough cornerbacks sort of in that range. Kyer Elam is a definite possibility. Um I mean, I, I agree with Ben th- expecting Booth to fall, but we should also mention it is possible that um, Cincinnati would take him if he were the their top cornerback on the board. Um, but there's just enough cornerbacks in that range that I think it's likely someone would be on the board. Trey McBride would absolutely shock me. If he's one of the top 32 picks, I would be yeah. floored. Very much agree. <laughs> well, we know Peter King isn't necessarily known for his mock draft accuracy, but uh, I just thought I'd throw it out there since when he put his mock out on Monday, uh, some of the lines did move on some players. Um, okay, so everybody gets one point there. And like I said, some of this research I'm looking at, I think your guys' answers to this past question and the question before that, really strong wagers here uh, for you guys listening at home. Uh, definitely look at those. The NFL Draft is here, and if you've never bet on the NFL before, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right, you'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from, like draft specials, futures bets, team win totals, and so much more. To get you started, here's a couple draft bets that I like. I like Lewis Seen. Safety to go top 32 at minus 115. And I also like Quay Walker to go under 34 and a half at minus 178. Offers like this are just one of many reasons I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. They're the number one rated sportsbook app in America, are easy to use, safe and secure with fast 
payouts. The app is so easy to use, and when you win, you get paid fast. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with promo code GAMBLERS to bet the NFL risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code GAMBLERS. 21 plus and present in select states only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable, and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Okay, next one, one point if you're correct here. What wide receiver do you think goes under their player draft position total? So Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I like Chris Olave under 16 and a half. Um, I like I like a few of the unders for the wide receivers. I think quite a mm-hmm. few of them could come off the board early. But I went with Chris Olave because I see multiple teams that could take him before that. I think he could potentially go as early as Washington. Um, it also gives you the Eagles as an option. We also know that the Saints are widely rumored to be interested in possibly trading up from one of their positions, so they could like you know they could maybe even jump as high as you know twelve or so and get them. And also there's the Chiefs sitting out there with extra draft capital and a big need for wide receiver. And there's multiple teams kind of in like that uh, twelve to fifteen range who might be willing to drop down a few spots if the Chiefs were willing to put together a really competitive uh, offer. So I, I see a lot of ways for Olave to come off the board before six, at, at sixteen or earlier. Okay, that is one that I bet as well uh, when it was at 17 and a half, but I still see value in taking him um, at 16 and a half there. Uh, I'll go ahead now to you, Ben. Yeah, but Chris Olave was 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 the one for me. That's the that's the one I'd like to score a point on. All the reasons that, that Ryan said. Sure, it'd be nice to have the Chargers at 17 in there. Really don't don't think he makes it all the way down there, but it'd be you know it'd be nice to have it. I, I feel comfortable at sixteen and a half. The other one I looked at was Jahan Dotson at thirty and a half. I think that we're getting closer and closer to saying Jahan's a an expected first rounder. A lot of outs in the twenties. Teams that need receivers, um, but Olave to me right now is the one that's still hanging. Uh, there's this is a very good football player, uh, and I expect him to go in a very wide receiver heavy top fifteen, wide receiver needy top fifteen, I should say. It's, it's probably not a bad idea to bet both of those, actually, because if Olave yeah. does go top 16, that increases the odds that uh, Dotson's coming off the board a little bit Absolutely. earlier. 
Yeah. And the one that's tricky to figure out is Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, yeah. who I would say for most of the process has been the clear wide receiver five after a lob in before Dotson. But Burks is a more some teams will, some teams won't. And Dotson has that a little bit because he's he's small, he's light, but not to the same degree. Whereas with Burks, it's like you got to know what the plan is with the six foot three, 230 pound fullback playing receiver sort of situation. Yeah, Burks is definitely more a little bit scheme specific, whereas Dotson, even though there's some questions with the size, like he kind of does everything well, like you're, he's going to fit everybody somewhere. Yeah, actually, you guys read my mind, Ben, uh, on that one, because I was going to ask you guys both about Traylon Burks. He was a guy on my radar. I haven't fired on anything with him. I do see that some spots are at 23 and a half, whereas others are at 22 and a half, which means you're going to miss the Arizona Cardinals if you're going to bet his under at 22 and a half. Uh, but I also felt like there's the chance that a team like the Chiefs with a couple first round picks uh, or somebody else later in the draft might trade up. And the logical spot to trade if they're willing to move down would be the New England Patriots, in my opinion, sitting there at 21. I don't see the Steelers trading back and you're going to jump ahead of wide receiver needy teams or interested teams like the Packers, the Cardinals and the Cowboys if you do move up to number 21. Um, so I'll just ask you, this doesn't count as part of the process, but uh, Ben, where would you lean on Traylon Burks's total right now? So for me, I would personally lean on the over because I okay. think that if I look at the best outs for Traylon Burks, I love the Cowboys at 24 because Traylon Burks, Sue Pig, baby. Uh, he went to the University of Arkansas, Jerry Jones. We love it. We know Jerry's willing to draft first-round receiver at any given time, and they just lost to Marty Cooper. So I think Burks yep. makes sense there, and I also think Burks makes sense at 23, where the Arizona Cardinals just lost Christian Kirk, and you're saying, all right, well, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Rondell Moore. They do, but this is a four-wide receiver team, right? This is a team that's living 10 personnel. They need to be four out, so they need as, as much depth as possible at that spot, and Burks gives them what Cliff Kingsbury always needs and loves, which is gadget player, right? Player who can just get the ball in his hands and go. And they already kind of have that with Rondale Moore, but they also don't because Rondale is a much smaller player. He's still like dense for his build, but he's a much smaller player. Burks gives you some verticality, right? Burks, Burks has shown that he can take press against SEC corners, get down the field, make a catch and score. And that's something that you lost a little verticality as Hopkins got injured and you lost it because AJ Green is not necessarily somebody that you're bringing back at this time. I'm pretty sure they haven't resigned AJ Green, right? Maybe I'm talking no. out the side of my mouth, but there you go. So uh, Burks at 23 and 24 are two of the best landing spots to me right now. And those are right on top of the over. Uh, and so that's why he's a tough guy to prognosticate. But if I were leaning anywhere over on 22 and a half. Yeah, if it was under 24 and a half, I'd feel yeah. really good yeah. about going under there. Patriots, but... Packers, Cardinals, Cowboys would be such a good run. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing to have. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, okay, let's go to question number seven. You get one point if this is correct. What is your favorite team draft special of the exact position of their first drafted player where the odds are at least even money? So we'll start with you, Ben. Where do you match here? I really struggled with this one because there's so many ones that like, can make sense. You can talk yourself into it. And then you look at it and it's like minus 110. And you're like, all right, well, screw me. That's not fun. Um, so I went back to what I know. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of very high plus money odds. Uh, defensive lineman at plus 250. Wide receiver at plus 300. Corner at plus 340. Uh, it doesn't look attractive. But I don't think defensive lineman is possible. So I think the only defensive lineman they would take at 15 is Jordan Davis, right? Uh, it's worth emphasizing for FanDuel odds. 
that uh, pass rusher is included in defensive linemen, assuming that the guy's graded as, as a, a defensive end. But I don't think the Eagles are taking a, a defensive end at 15. They signed us on Reddick in free agency. So that takes that off the board. Now you're looking at wide receiver. And like I said, like Brian and I have been talking about, we think there's going to be a run on receiver early. And if there's a run on receiver early for Philadelphia, they have one of two things that they can do. Sit there and wait or trade up. And everybody right now is talking about the Eagles as a potential trade-up team to get in front of the run for receivers. That smells like Howie Roseman. That seems very, very possible for this team and for the capital that they have. Corner at 340 is also a trick because I don't think Sauce and Stingley have any chance of making it past 10. I don't think McDuffie makes it past 12 to the Vikings. Ryan talked about that in last week's pod. So to me, I think the Eagles' first biggest receiver at plus 300, but I don't think it's at 15. I think it's at six. I think it's at nine. I think it's somewhere inside the top 10 that they go to get. That's my best read right now. So Eagles plus 300 for wide receiver. Okay, interesting. And I have heard that, you know, like we said earlier, Jordan Davis not getting past the Baltimore Ravens who pick right before the Eagles there. So, and I definitely don't see them trading up to go after uh, a defensive tackle. So um, I th- I actually have a little bit of Eagles wide receiver with their first pick uh, at odds like that. I also have a little bit of Minnesota to draft a DB with their first pick. That was at plus 115. I haven't double checked where that is right now. Um, I'm it wondering- is at minus 125 because I sure minus wanted to talk about it, Warren. Uh, <laughs> that's one you like as well? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, that's a good one. Okay, good. Well, then there you go, guys. There's another one that there's a match on. Uh, Ryan, I've got another one to throw out there, but I don't want to steal your thunder in case this is the one that you are interested in. So go ahead and toss out one for your position match. Yeah, well, like Ben was saying, basically all of the ones that seem uh, probably the safest, the lines have dropped a lot. Yeah. Folks so have like, figured it out. They yeah, didn't have it figured out at first. It was a great market a week ago. Yeah, it, it definitely was a good market a week ago. And now it seems like all of the ones that we have a- any reasonable amount of confidence in are now at minus odds. Um, but one that I do still like Um, based on how I think the board is going to go. And Ben kind of touched on this already in his answer, expecting the wide receivers to come off the board early. I think Arizona is very likely to not have a good option for wide receiver when they're on the clock, which then means offensive lineman is their pivot. And both, both wide receiver and offensive lineman are plus 300 for them right now. You know, knowing that they're much more likely to have good options at um, offensive line there, I think that's the good bet to place there. I think um, it's possible that Zion Johnson slides to them. And I think it's probably likely that Kenyon Green is on the board. So if they don't have the option of going with one of their top choices at uh, wide receiver, they, they would love to add speed. Like if for some reason Chris Olave were on the board there, I think that's an automatic pick. Uh, but he's probably not going to be like, we've already talked about him probably going in the top 16. So without those speedsters on the board, uh, I think it's, I think offensive linemen and either Kenyon green or Zion Johnson would be great fits. Interesting. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. If, if everybody that I'm seeing, most of the guys that I'm tracking, including you and Ben, uh, did in your last draft, take wide receiver there. Uh, but if those wide receivers are going earlier, uh, then you definitely could see that, and that offers some good value. I'll throw out two more um, that I took that were longer odds. Uh, we talked about this one, uh, Ryan, you and I, yesterday, but Seahawks to draft a defensive lineman at plus 380 in case uh, they had an option there. And also the same for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was at plus 275 defensive uh, lineman. Again, this these both include the edge if you're, if you're uh, looking over at uh, FanDuel. So uh, that's important to know as well. Um, okay, let's go to number eight. This is also worth one point. If you are correct, 
We'll start with you, Ryan. Which team takes the first quarterback? What pick is it? And who is it? With the 20th pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers end the quarterback slide, and they take Malik Willis. They want to add a mobile quarterback to their offense, sort of modernize that offense from that dreck that we had to watch the past couple of years with the skeleton corpse of uh, Ben Roethlisberger out there. Uh, I, I think that they really want Malik Willis. Um, they might be able to sit there and get him at 20, but I, I would kind of expect them to move up at least a few spots uh, and make that pick. Okay. How about you, Ben? It's, it's, it, it is the right answer. The right answer is the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers at 20, but like maybe... Yeah. 15, maybe 17. I don't know. Tom Flusco's really trade back, but like, sure, like maybe 12, 13, and they take Malik Willis. I, it's my answer. It's Steelers 20, Malik Willis, but it just feels too easy, right? <laughs> Quarterback is never, is never this simple. I, I, the closer and closer we get to the draft, the more I get this feeling in my gizzard that. Every team is going to be like, yeah, 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 wait on the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's great. It's bad quarterback class. We're going to be patient. And then the clock's going to start ticking and everybody's just going to start to get nervous. It's really hard to look at players you think might be guys, like franchise guys. You might have round ones on them, right? We know a lot of teams have round ones on Ritter. We know some teams have round ones on Willis and say, yeah, we'll just wait. Sorry, right. You'll get to us eventually. Like That's hard to do. Uh, so Willis at 20 to the Steelers is the right answer because that's, that's how far we can see out into this fog is that's what it looks like. So that'll be my answer. But I'm telling you, I, I will not be surprised when the Seattle Seahawks turn it in the card at nine for somebody. You know what I mean? Like that, like th this is going to be a chaos draft. And, and, and I expect the quarterbacks to be a part of that. So I definitely have a little bit of involvement on both the quarterback over props. And actually, we were doing a Twitter spaces on Monday night and mentioned the fact that we still had 12 and a half on Kenny Pickett. And Circa out in Las Vegas was up at 16 and a half when they opened their props on Monday. And so uh, the very next morning, boom, all the uh, books like FanDuel and others moved their numbers up to 16 and a half uh, for Kenny Pickett. I think it might even be 17 and a half now. Yeah. Um, and Malik Willis had the same type of adjustment as well. Um, the last time that the first quarterback in the draft lasted past pick number one was 2017. It was Mitchell Trubisky who went number two. The last time a quarterback lasted past pick number two was 2014. That was Blake Bortles at number three. The last time a quarterback lasted past, the first quarterback lasted past pick number three, it was 2013. That yep. was EJ Manuel. He went at pick number 16. The last time the first quarterback off the board lasted past pick number 16, that was 2000. And it was Chad Pennington who went at number 18. The last time a quarterback lasted, the first quarterback lasted past pick 18 was 1997. Anybody guess who that was? Well, I the... was born a month beforehand, <laughs> so I got nothing. Was that the Jim Druckenmiller year? <laughs> that was Jim Druckenmiller, who went number 26 to the San Francisco 49ers. And then the last time a quarterback went, the first quarterback went after pick number 26 was 1996, the very first, the very year prior to that one. And that was Tony Banks at number 42 overall. So I don't know that we'll ever see another draft class where yeah. the first quarterback yeah. off the board goes at number 42, uh, but that's the history of it. Uh, yeah, okay, I will so say, I, 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 have a, I have a lot of bankroll on Malik Willis' positions right now, like first quarterback and stuff like that. So I don't want to take too much more. But if his line continues to go up 
every team that it goes up on is another trade up position. And I probably am going to buy back on an under at some point. I know it's at 13 and a half right now. It's very tempting. It was when it was at 12 and a half at plus money. It was really tempting. Um, if I didn't have as much bankroll in like Will's first quarterback as I already do, I would have probably taken 12 and a half yesterday um, just because of the numbers you ran through, right? It's like, yeah, I hear it. Like, Will's is not a great prospect. There are second round grades on him. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it takes one and it is hard to get through a top 12, top 13, top 14, top 15 without a quarterback. That is difficult to do in the modern NFL. So I'll probably be at that position sometime in the next 24 to 36 hours. Do you have a trigger point for that? Like a specific number you're waiting for? Or is it more just a, a when you get around to thinking it's not yeah, going to get much I'll higher? I'll be honest. I told myself yesterday, I was like, well, if it gets to 13 and a half, I'll do it. Because I thought it would take a long time. It got to 13 and a half this morning. And I was like, <laughs> maybe I'll wait till 14 and a half. <laughs> right. But it's, it's one of those situations where uh, you have a conviction, you bet the conviction, and then the line moves opposite you over six weeks, right? Where like Will's open at n- under nine and a half plus money. And I was like, I feel like that's good. And I took that. And then he's moved five positions since then opposite me, right? So my initial read was wrong. And I have to figure out if I want to double down or not. And that's that's something that is always a tricky thing to navigate because you have that confirmation bias in you. So I'm going to try to sit on it, be patient on it. Hopefully I just burn out the entire clock and I don't expose myself to any more Willis. But I'm going to be thinking about it over the next day, day and a half. The one thing I'll add is like sort of play devil's advocate. Everything you said makes sense. Like obviously everybody feels pressure to add a quarterback. But we also know that quarterback is a position where owners are the most over-involved. And sometimes that means that owners are pressuring you to take a quarterback. But in a year like this, where when owners turn on SportsCenter and all they hear is about this is the worst quarterback class we've had in years. None of these guys are worthy of first round picks. They're constantly beat over the head with that talk that's out there. If a GM comes to and says, well, but you know, we're kind of considering this quarterback, the owner's response is often in that case going to be really like, I don't know. I keep hearing like, none of these guys are worthy. You really want me to invest in this guy? Like, shouldn't we wait till next year? I keep hearing next year's class is better. So like owners can push you one way or the other. They're going to be pushing for quarterbacks in a good year, but they're also could be a little bit hesitant to invest because it is a big investment when you go get a quarterback. Yes, no doubt. No doubt about it. And next year's class, I think we mentioned this on the last pod, but if you have to basically go three, you cannot, you can't win more than three wins, three games next year, if you're going to expect to get one of these top two quarterbacks off the board. So you have to have a absolutely horrific season, or you're going to have to trade a lot of draft capital to move up into that spot. Okay. Question number nine, one point, if you're correct here, we're starting with you, Ben, risking no more than minus 140 juice. What is your single favorite player draft position, you know, player over under bet? Yeah. Firstly, again, these limitations, oh, no, don't miss more than 140. Screw you, okay? This makes it <laughs> substantially more difficult than I thought Yes, it, it does. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get Jordan Davis under 14 and a half. It got close, but it's at minus 158. Uh, so the best thing to me that you can take right now is, and this saddens me to say, um, the Kyle Hamilton over, uh, which uh, you can find at some books at 12 and a half at plus money. You can also find it at some books at 11 and a half, right around minus 140. Uh, is the best one. And it's another situation where my early read was wrong, where I was like, listen, it's a freak pterodactyl safety, just unbelievable film. Like, he's going to go early. Like, it doesn't matter that he's a safety. And the 40 time is just worrying people, and it's clear that folks don't want to make that investment in a safety. I think that's a big mistake. I think Hamilton's going to go to a team like, you know, I think the Vikings at 12 is where we start to have that conversation, which is why 11 and a half is really important. The Washington has also been rumored there at 11, so that is tricky, but I think Washington's going to go receiver. Uh, and so Vikings at 12, 
uh, Texas at 13, Eagles at 15 or another out in the event they stay at that pick. Like I've said, I don't think that they do. Um, but I think Hamilton's going to go somewhere in the teens, and I think it's going to be great where he lands. But at this point, we're looking at, at a pretty substantial slide for Kyle Hamilton. So plus 130, uh, plus 136 over 12 and a half, or you can get around minus 140 at other books uh, at minus at plus 11 and a half on the over. Yep, we'll grade you 11 and a half minus 40 there as your pick, and that matches a uh, bet I took at 10 and a half. Um, but I definitely agree uh, with Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton there. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, so the one I would say the easiest over under that I wanted to take was Jermaine Johnson under ten and a half, but I looked it up and it's already down to minus two hundred. So that was yeah. close, uh, far not off. quite. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I still found another one that I love: Zion Johnson under twenty four and a half is at minus one thirty. Um, you know, just a couple of questions ago, I talked about him uh, being a good fallback plan for Arizona at twenty three if they can't get one of the wide receivers. Uh, the under 24 and a half also puts Dallas in play. We know that they're considering offensive line help. Um, and then, you know, a bit earlier, uh, the chargers at 17, they're definitely in consider. They needed offensive line help. And Zion Johnson is particularly interesting for them because he's played a little bit of both guard and tackle. So they could potentially bring him in, try him out at right tackle, see how it goes. And if they're not liking the way it is, they just, you know, slide him over to guard. Yep. Uh, and another guy that I was liking was the scene under Lewis scene under it's minus 138, but that's at 30 and a half. Uh, we were able to get him. Obviously, he's another guy that's been plummeting uh, up the draft board. His prop has been lowering in terms of the number that he's going to be going. OK, let's go to question number 10. This one, gents, you get two points if you are correct, because it is a long shot draft prop. And again, I'm making you have these stipulations because we're going to do an even longer long shot prop. The very next question, this one, pick a long shot between plus 200, plus 750, anywhere on the board, except for prop parlays, which we'll talk about at the end. Two points if you end up getting it right. Ryan, where are you going here? I'm going Cowboys to take a wide receiver. It's at plus 470. Um, if I were setting lines on this, I would have uh, Cowboys wide receiver and offensive lineman uh, pretty closely grouped, probably like, you know, plus 120 or something like that for each of them. Um, so plus 470, I think is great. We were talking about Traylon Burks and how there's a chance he's going to slide, but he's probably not going to slide past Dallas. You know, they could go offensive lineman, but you know, I was just with the last pick, I was just saying like, why I don't think Zion Johnson slides very far. I think the offensive linemen are going to come off the board early. And I think it leads to Burks possibly being, the one player high on Dallas's board who's sitting there for them. So I, I think specifically Burks at 24 is a really good, uh, really good bet to place. Okay, Ben, how about you? Yeah, if we recorded yesterday, Derek Stingley top five was plus 300, <laughs> plus, going down through plus 200. Felt great. Uh, now it's plus 145, so misses the cutoff. Uh, I talked about it at the top. Uh, the figuring out what the Lions do at two is tricky. Um, but to me right now, we're in coin flip range, right? Where it's like 45, 55, 55, 45. Books don't have it as that. They have Aiden Hutchinson minus 300. And then for the exact number second overall pick, came on Thibodeau plus 350. To me, that that's a that's a good price. I, that's not a, you know, full send, two bullets, empty the chamber, yada, yada, whatever, whatever. Um, but I think that they are choosing between those two players. And I don't think that Hutch has that substantial of an edge where it's it's projecting the markets as like 70-30. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so Thibodeau plus 350 to me is, is a long shot trap prop that I like. I like a fair bit. Okay, there we go. Plus 350. So you guys both went over the plus 200 easily. Okay, so now we're going to go. What is your longest long shot non-prop parlay bet that you like? 
at least plus 750 or higher. You get three points if you are correct with this one. Make up for some lost ground if you need to. We'll start with you, Ben. Where are you going? Yeah, so uh, Hutch to go number three exact is plus 800. Uh, and so that's kind of the way that we're, we're building this out. There's an implication here that if, if Thibodeau plus 350 hits, Hutch plus 800 is a lot more likely to hit. Uh, and so that just goes hand in hand with the one that I said earlier. In the event that we want to do, you know, you, we want another one as well, just for the sake of, of if you want to gamble and you want to take a fun bet, uh, you do have the ability to take Malik Wills as the top three pick at plus 800, which just gives you the Lions exposure in the event that they've really, really, really well hidden their quarterback like over the last couple of, of, of months which I'm very suspicious of, or in the event that somebody makes a big trade up. Because we know that everybody in the top three would like to trade back if they can and get somebody on the line. And so you can also take Malik Wills to be a top three pick at plus 800 if you want. That to me is not, not you know, super interesting. But yeah, Hutchinson plus 800 to be the third overall pick. I'm expecting a Walker, Thibaut, Hutch, trifecta to start this thing off. Okay. All right. Ryan, same question. Yeah, this is tricky because a lot of the stuff that's lined here really has no chance. They're just like trying to steal money from you, basically. So you kind of have to try to figure out one where you could build a scenario that's not likely, but like if something falls a certain way, a team would pivot to something. So the one that I'm going with is the Seahawks to take a linebacker with their first pick at plus 1100. It's probably not going to happen at number nine, but we know they're very willing to trade down. They've done it a lot in the past. Um, and they're sort of in that range where there's probably teams in the teens who are considering trading up are probably going to make some phone calls and kind of feel them out to see what it would take to get there. So if they do slide down a bit, maybe they slide down you know, into the middle of the first round, then they're in a very realistic range for Devin Lloyd, who seems like he'd be a really great fit for their defense. We know they value linebacker. Right now, it looks like Cody Barton's going to start for them. And knowing how much they value linebacker, are they really going to roll with Jordan hey, Brooks? Hey, I like Cody <laughs> Barton. All right. And he gave him a third round grade out of Utah like four years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they do love him. They've had him there for a few years now, so they know what they've gotten. And maybe they trust him. But I'm a little bit skeptical of that. So if they do trade back, which we know they like to do, we know that linebacker is a position they value. It seems like... You know, if there's an unlikely scenario that plays out, that, that seems like one that I can at least talk myself into being a plausible situation. All right. So now we're going to move on to question number 12, and we're back to only one point if you are correct here. And this kind of goes in line with Ben's prior hutch to go number three exact. I want you guys to look at picks number six through picks number 10 and look at the exact player to match with one of those picks. You can go anywhere you want. Pick six through pick 10. Where do you want to go? And Ryan, you are up first. Yeah, we sort of talked about my logic on this earlier. I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson at number 10. I feel like he fits the Jets. Um, that's a good fit for their offense. They could certainly have him as a wide receiver, uh, top their board and take him there. But we've also known that the Jets have been rumored to be making some calls and are possibly willing to trade down a little bit from that spot. And with Washington sitting there at number 11, there's a lot of speculation that they would love to get Garrett Wilson. So if there is a team a few picks later, you know, maybe the Saints or maybe the Chargers want to get really aggressive. If you want to trade up for Garrett Wilson, 10 is probably a spot that you would think about going. So I think there's multiple teams that could potentially make him the 10th overall pick. Okay, so that's plus 400 for the record. Garrett Wilson to go number 10. How about you, Ben? Yeah, uh, I love getting exposure on receivers and pick six through 10. 
because I think that's where the trades are going to be, and I think that's where the run could potentially be. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense to me. I looked at like Jameson Williams at six, Drake London at eight. We talked about these, but the one that you have listed in the doc is the one that I think is really good, which is Charles Cross to be the exact pick at number six. Kenny Pickett is still favored for that Panthers pick at six, a plus two fifty. I'd be flabbergasted. I'd just be slack-jawed if Pickett goes top 10 and if the Panthers take him. It just would not map onto anything that's been said. And we'll get to something that's been said a little bit later in terms of the Panthers taking a quarterback, but that's for later. Uh, if not Pickett and they can't trade back, they have to actually make a pick. And it seems that Charles Cross is, is the tackle that gets connected to them the most. Uh, so he's there at plus 350. Evan Neal's also plus 600, which to me, I would love to do a little just, you know, take them both. Uh, with that said, there are Evan Neal health questions that have kind of come forward a little bit, which makes it tricky to know whether or not he's on the Panthers board. And so I think just Charles Cross plus 350 to the Panthers, he's there, they're fail safe. He's there. If we can't get out of this pick, we're probably taking a tackle and Cross seems to be their guy. So I like that one a lot. And actually that, that, that juice improved a little bit. It was plus 340 when I was writing this up last night as the example pick. Um, he's now plus 350. So there you go. Okay. We're a little low on time, so we're not going to go into your reasoning for the last two questions, which are building some player parlays of these draft props. We're going to start with players to go in the top 10. Ben, you're going to be up first. You get one point if your parlay is correct, and you have to build, using FanDuel odds, a parlay that includes only players that are going to go in the top 10, and it has to pay out at least plus 150. Which players are you going to throw into this parlay, Ben? Absolutely. So uh, you, if you go and you take Derek Stingley Jr., who's minus 350, Charles Cross, who's minus 350, and then any one of the wide receivers, right? Uh, actually, no, wait, Garrett Wilson's odd moves up. Frick, okay, not Garrett Wilson. If you take Drake London or Jameson Williams, you can get over over the uh, over the plus 150 mark. Uh, in that case, I would probably take Drake London. But like I said, expecting a run on receivers. Uh, earlier this morning, Garrett Wilson worked. All right, he got to like plus 155. It's not work anymore. Um, but if you go Thib uh, Stingley, Charles Cross, and wait, if I do Garrett Wilson like plus Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes, okay, I get there. Derek Stingley, Charles Cross, Garrett Wilson, Kayvon Thibodeau for top 10. Okay, Stingley, Cross, Tib, and Garrett Wilson? Yes. Okay, that's the final one. Okay, same question for you, Ryan. Okay, so I haven't checked this morning yet, so maybe the lines have moved, but as of last night, this worked. If you go Charles Cross, Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, that already gets you over plus 150, but yeah. then why not just throw in Ahmad Gardner for some free money tacked on? If you mm -hmm. do all four of those, I think you get to one night plus 197. Yeah, that, yeah, you're good on that one. Okay, so Cross, Johnson, Wilson, and Sauce for you. Okay, that gets you to 197. Those are the two parlays that you can build for players to go inside the top 10. Now, one point, if you're correct, we're going to build parlays of players to go top 32 that pays at least plus 250. Now, we're going to start with you, Ryan. Ben, I know on the draft props, uh, draft pod you did yeah. yesterday, you, you built one where I think 10 paid like $1,600 or something yeah. along those lines. This has been a so fun feature on FanDuel. This has been a good <laughs> time waster. <laughs> so so this is we're going to get something interesting from you here. Uh, probably not something that big, although you can mention that again for the players listening at home uh, so they can get that. But uh, Ryan, we'll go ahead and start with you. Which players do you want to throw into this parlay? Yeah, this was a little bit easier because there is quite a few players who are locks that are available to you that you can kind of build stuff and throw them in. So I'm going to go with Zion Johnson, Jahan Dotson, Lewis Seen. I think just the three of those gets you over our threshold. But then why not throw in Trent McDuffie and Trevor Penning as locks just to add a little bit more to it? I believe that gets you to plus 374. Okay. 
So we got yeah. Zion, Dotson, Seen, Trent McDuffie, and Penning plus 374. Okay. Brendan, how about, I'm sorry. Who? Ben, how about how you? How dare you? Oh, I'm um, sorry. I'm using B's and I no got worries. confused. I have the the same thing just without, I, instead of Lewis Seen, safety out of Georgia, I put in Dax Hill, the safety slash corner out of Michigan. Yeah. Both work for you. Mine is a little bit less money. It's only a plus 280. So you're going Zion, Dotson, Dax. And the yep. other two as well? Okay. Yeah, M- McDuffie and Penning have been in every single top 32 yeah. mod, probably I've done. And Traylon Burks is in a lot of them as well. It's just, right, as, as we finish these last couple of days, I'm a little bit squirrely about Burks now. And he's still going to go first round, though, because otherwise, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> okay, perfect. So that concludes the questions 1 to 14. We're going to grade these up. Uh, we're going to get producer Mike and somebody else to do something with this information uh, to help showcase it to people. But you guys have a ton of bets here that you easily can make. And I'm pretty much, I'll lay strong odds that you will make money if you listen and bet both of these guys 14 uh, bets that we've got or or the number of bets that they've got here. But before I let you go, I want to ask these questions of you. What rumor has come out in the last couple of days that you believe in the most? Ben, we'll start with you. I believe in the Trayvon Walker to be the first overall pick rumor the most. Like, if that counts, uh, we also, ha- while we were recording, had Cam Robinson sign an extension, which to me, the the only out for Walker was going to be Ikemaquanu, right? That was the only alternative. I thought Hutch was just off the board at this point for the Jags. And with the Robinson extension, it really feels like Walker at one. So I guess, like, if that's the rumor, then that's the rumor. The other rumor that I would say I believe in very strongly is the Eagles would trade up for a receiver um, because that came out. And then like three hours later, there was like a couple of national reporters who were like, actually, maybe not. And whenever that happens to me, that's a, that's a smokescreen. Hide it, hide it, fix it. Uh, and so I like that one a lot. Okay, same question for you, Ryan. Yeah, for me, it's the uh, smoke around James, Jermaine Johnson to the Jets. I'm not so sure that I'm on board with the speculation they're going to make him the fourth overall pick. That's a little aggressive. Um, but the, what, around this time of year, like in the days leading up to the draft, the rumors that I tend to lean towards are the ones where we heard some whispers about it a few weeks ago. Right. And this was a connection people were already making. And now it seems like that's building some steam. So I feel like there was already a little bit of evidence pointing in that direction. So, you know, I don't know if it's actually at number four, maybe it's at number 10. Maybe it's also, they, maybe they just try to jump Atlanta. That's a trade scenario that I've thought about. If they just want to try to get ahead of Seattle, because Seattle would be another option. They just have a ton of draft capital, like two first, two seconds, two fourths. They, they could move up a couple spots just to make sure they get their guy. Okay, now the opposite. Which rumor that's come out over the last couple of days do you believe the least? I'll go ahead and start with you this time, Ryan. Yeah, I think it's the idea that George Karloftis is going to fall out of the first round. I just, like, what is this big red flag that's hanging yeah. out there that nobody knows about? Like, who's who's got dirt on George Karloftis? It doesn't make sense. We're talking about four pass rushers coming off the board in the top 10, maybe even in the top seven. And then we're really going to let George Karloftis fall to the second round. He has measurables that are very similar to Asian Hutchinson. So I don't think you can make an argument that teams are really scared off. That's the thing that drives me nuts where it's like, oh, short arms. Yeah. Look at the guy who was going to yeah. go one. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> exactly. The measure, the, the big difference between the two of them is that Karloftis is shorter, but he's got longer arms and that matters more. Right. So I just, I can't block by the teams are scared off by the measurables. And then he just turned 21 year olds, a couple, 21 years old, a couple of days ago in a draft that's loaded with like 23, 24, 25 year olds. 
there's a little bit added incentive to get one of these young guys that has more growth potential. And he's been a three-year starter. He dominated the Big Ten as an 18-year-old. You can't overlook that. So uh, unless there is something, I mean, I've asked around, nobody's, nobody knows any injury history or any character red flags. It's maybe something like that is out there that we just haven't heard about yet. But that would be the only reason he slides out of the first round. Okay, real quick. Yes, no. Uh, Ben, do you agree with Ryan? And then uh, what is your rumor that you just don't believe? Yeah, so I I have a tweet about George Karloff because I have several tweets where I'm like, this is dumb. You should go first round. This is really (laughs) stupid. Uh, he absolutely should. I'd be, I'd be surprised as well if he didn't pan, uh, Packers Cardinals, both really good outs. Uh, the rumor that surprises that I believe in the least is poor old Scott Fitterer just sitting on that podium being like, yeah, no, there's, there's some quarterbacks we would take in six and we might take them. And I told Sam Darnold, we might take them. No, you aren't honey. Okay. We know you're not. Uh, you've been very clear the whole process. You don't want to do that. So, uh, like, are, are we supposed to believe this pivot is ownership told you you have to take a quarterback and now you're trying to, like, make it feel better? I don't. I think they're trying to trade out of six. Again, if they take Pickett, I'm screwed, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah, I completely agree with that one, 100%. Okay, we'll run through these last two questions very quickly, These because these relate to your actual mocks that you're trying to work on and finish up before midnight tonight. Uh, we'll start with you, Ben, here. Which pick that if it were made in the top 10 would cause the most chaos to screw up the rest of your board in that range. Pick it at six to the Panthers. Don't <laughs> freaking do it. <laughs> okay, Ryan. I mean, basically the same thing. Any quarterback goes in the top 10, that sets off a chain reaction that's going to create a little bit of chaos. Okay, and then not having the same answer to this next question, you can't say the quarterback in the top 10, which I'm sure probably is related very strongly here. But Ryan, which specific pick for a team is most difficult for you to assess and causes you the most stress and sleepless nights as you're entering the final few hours before your mock is due? To me, it's the Jets at four. I think that's the pick that really sets up the rest of the top 10. If you get the fourth pick wrong, I mean, first of all, you're almost guaranteed to get the 10th pick wrong because we kind of know that they're going to address, you know, pass rusher, uh, wide receiver, most likely. Uh, so you're going to get both of those wrong, but also who they take at number four probably directly affects who the Giants take. If they did go offensive linemen, somewhat surprisingly, that affects who the Panthers take. So it, it potentially, if you get that wrong, you're just the rest of your top ten is out the window too. Ben, yeah, four is 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 a very important one. I very much agree. Like I said, if I knew the top four, I feel like I get everything else. But I will mention two in the sense that. Uh, if Hutchett two, it really changes the Texans' plans. If not Hutchett two, then I think the Texans are Hutchett three, and that has big ramifications because then maybe a corner comes off the board and that changes teams in the top six, and that means more trades and yada yada whatever. And so four is a really big pivot. Two is an important pivot to me as well because I ha- I have the uh, the uncertainty there with Hutch and Tibbo. Well, gents, we wish you. Much luck as you try to get your final prep in to submit your last mocks. We know how seriously you guys take this. So good luck. We're pulling for you guys. Uh, Everybody on the show is as well. And of course, all these bets that you gave out here, we're also pulling those cash money in our pockets. And that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. The Ringer Gambling feed will be back on Friday as JJ and House share more of their NBA playoff bets. Thanks to Ryan McChrystal and Ben Solak for joining me and to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing the show. We will see you guys next time. 